0: If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to B A D L A N D S Ranch.com slash MC911 today.
1: From Nashville, Tennessee, welcome to Music City 911. I'm Rick Beasley, communications officer retired with 40 years of experience. And I'm Brandon Hall, coming at you with
0: 20 years. Well, we've got an action-packed show for us tonight, so what have you got? Uh, We're going to get straight into it tonight. Uh, We're going to get into uh, the biggest national story of late, uh, the Kobe Bryant uh, helicopter crash. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a tragic case, um, and just to kind of go over the actual 911 calls, there was a few of them related to it. Uh, We're going to share with you tonight. The big thing about this is they didn't know who was in the helicopter when it went down. And as you'll hear, the actual first call wasn't even about a, a helicopter had gone down. They just thought there was a fire out there initially. So there, there's there's a lot to go into it. Um, you know, it's uh, it, as far as the way our calls have gone, uh, it, it's not as big to listen to, I guess, on the call end of it. But there is a, a you know a big seriousness to it. There, obviously, it's an aircraft crash. It's something that we take very seriously, and we'll go over a little bit about what goes into it after some of these calls. So we're going to go ahead and uh, roll on with this. So Okay, should... and these and these are not calls that you get every day. No, no. I, that's something that else that we were talking about, and I'll just go into it right now. And, and my whole time that I've been there, I think I've actually worked and I was actually involved with, in one way or another, two small aircraft crashes, crashes mm-hmm. and that was it. One of them, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering right, because it was so long ago, the people walked away from it. So it it wasn't that uh, that big of a thing, but we we have them in Nashville. They actually happen all over. Uh, I won't say quite often, but they do happen. It's it's just years between.
1: Well, just like it's been said, you're more apt to be involved in a uh, motor vehicle accident than an airplane crash. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the things that you know people have said that all the time. They're like, oh, but I'll still ride in a car. You are, I mean, just a multitude more likely. Getting a crash in a in a car and actually a crash and killed in a car even than you are in an airplane. Absolutely. All right, so here we go. Let's let's roll with this. Roll tape. L.A. County Fire
2: 83.
3: Yes, I'm just reporting a hillside fire just um, east of Los Virginas Road and A.E. Wright Middle School. Up Do in you the have cross streets? Um. I or I can look don't. at the school. You be, said it's it would be south. It would be south of Aguirre Road on Lost uh, on Lost Virginus Road. You said it's near the middle school, though. Of the um, yeah, it's directly east of the Lost Virginus Water District and uh, AE Wright
2: Middle okay, School. Okay, I understand. You gave me multiple locations, so let me ask you a question. Back to the middle school. Is uh-huh. it near the middle school, though, or no?
3: It's going to be within uh, about a half a mile. Okay. Let me get that. I have the address of the school. A.E. Wright Middle School. Okay. And I show the cross streets of the middle school is like Meadow Creek or Country Creek. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that's exactly. In I just couldn't think of it.
2: That's okay. So, and
3: just to confirm, you said it's about a mile or a half a mile from that half location? A mile east. Okay up in
0: the hills so that was the first call on it um you know like i said it's just uh, a guy that is reporting a fire we get these all the time you know somebody passing by you know on the interstate or they're in the neighborhood they see a fire in the distance somewhere like that and it's just actually a pretty simple call as far as the way that we process it and everything like that so you know for this call we don't know at this point that it actually is an aircraft crash of any sort. We just think it's, it's a fire. So as a dispatcher, we're probably, if it's a grass fire, sending one, maybe two fire engines, right? If they're up in the Hills, like they're saying like that kind of uh, away from the roads, they may send a, uh, a, a tanker truck that that's separate than that, that has a little bit more water on it just because they're, they may not be anywhere close to a fire hydrant. So as far as what we do, we would just send probably very minimal equipment, but it rolls on from there into the next call and we kind of uh, start figuring a little bit of what happened out.
2: L.A. County Fire 90.
0: Go
3: ahead, sir. Hello, this is the fire department. How can I help you? The yeah. fire department on the line. let them know where the fire is.
4: So, Los Virginis, where the new apartment and condo construction is, straight up the hill like you're going up to the Oaks.
3: So, do you have the, uh. Up the hill. Okay, do you have the nearest address or cross-street for that?
4: I have no idea. I'm walking on the trail. I could hear the plane, I 41. think it was, in the clouds. We couldn't see it and then we just heard a boom and a dead sound and then I could see the flames. Okay, so, so do you have the closest
3: uh, cross-street at all or anywhere I could send units to? I, I don't. Just
4: go lost version You will see it up on the hill. There's flames.
3: Is this near Agora Road? Past Agora Road. Sheriff. Okay, Sheriff, do you have any location at all for it? Or where no, in area we're getting other calls right now. So, so I'm here Lost Hills. Lost Virginus to Lost Hills is where you're going? It's on Lost Virginia It's 101 Freeway and Eighty Right. Between
4: what? We were to take uh,
3: Lost Virginus all mm-hmm. the way down. Lost At yeah. Lost yes. Hills. Okay, that's where we'll go then. And what was on fire, sir? Lost Virginus and Lost the Hill.
4: Okay. But whatever crashed into the hill is also on fire. Was it an airplane or something? I think it was an airplane. Do you know if it was a large airplane or a small airplane? A small plane. small plane.
3: (laughs) Okay. So just to confirm, Lost Virginus Road, Lost Hills Road, and Agora, is that correct? Lost Hills doesn't
4: cross Lost Virginus. So go Lost Virginus. Okay. Going towards the beach. Okay. Past the Gora Road, of, Before you get to a right middle school, it's straight up in the hill. It's behind the
3: new construction that's going on. Hello. Hold on one second. Okay. So we're on our way out there. We'll be there very shortly. If anything changes or gets worse, call us back. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Bye.
0: So from there, uh, the, this person thought it was an airplane crash. Uh, they, you know, obviously didn't know it was a helicopter. They would have said so, but it's starting to kind of shape up at this point. You can hear the dispatchers in the background saying, you know, that we're getting more calls about this. So initially starts off as a, a as a fire, someone calling it in first. And now we're up to an airplane crash and they're getting more calls on it. The airplane crash is where it really kind of kicks up for us. It's no longer a single fire engine type event. We've got police, we've got fire engines going out that way, ambulances. It's a huge event at this point, even for a small aircraft. There's a lot of equipment that's going, they're going to go out there. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more of the, the equipment and what goes into it uh, after this next call that we have on it. But just to kind of give you an idea how it's it's slowly ramping up, and this is kind of how we get it too. If we were to have a, a, a plane crash out in the field or just a fire in the middle of a field like the first person was saying, They may not have a very great location on it. They may be able to give us a couple cross streets kind of close by there. They may say, oh, it looks like it's about a mile away, half a mile away. You don't really know. You just got to send them out there to the closest area you can. And you can kind of tell on a couple of those calls, it seems like they may have been kind of zooming in on their their map to try to find a little bit better location from the cues that they were uh, being given. But it's kind of hard to, um, it's, There's nothing exact about this because in the middle of the woods on the side of a mountain or side of a hill, there is no address. There is no exact address to send them to. So they're just trying to get them on the way out there at first. Well, helicopter rides
1: are significantly riskier than commercial airline flights, but not as dangerous as a trip on a personal plane. And some trips, like personal or private helicopter rides,
0: are Far more likely than others to end in a fatal accident. Yeah, so you know that, like we touched on that too um, earlier on. That uh, it's it's more likely, you know, in a car, but even with these smaller ones, a lot of them operator error. Which I think in this one, I, I think they kind of determined that the it was uh, about half the pilot and half their lack of equipment on that. That I think you mentioned something like that before the show. Well, the key here is the fog.
1: Yeah. And the pilot that was in that copter was well versed in what he needed to be well versed in. The problem was that he did not have a terrain alarm on that copter. And with the fog the way it was, and the government helicopters wasn't even up that day. So that should tell you uh, something in and of itself. So when he started getting closer to the terrain, there was no alarm on that uh, helicopter to let him know that he was getting closer he fell a thousand feet uh within
0: i think it was about a minute that's that's pretty significant i mean i i would imagine you would um feel something like that i mean that's a thousand feet in a minute if, if it's especially if it's not like a pressurized uh you know cabin like a you know, commercial airline or something like that, it's, you're going to feel that you're, you're going to feel that.
1: Well, you figure every 10 feet is one story. Yeah. So a hundred feet is 10 stories. So you're talking about a hundred stories in about a minute's time. In, in other words, the size of the world trade center straight
0: down yeah. in, in about a minute's time. Well, here's uh, here's our next call going into it. And it, it, it becomes a little bit more clear with this call.
3: Cali County Fire Department. that? CHP, i have a transfer for you. Sir, you want me go ahead? I'm uh, here, yeah. A uh, helicopter crashed into a mountain. Uh, we heard it, and now I'm looking at the flames at Malibu Canyon and Agora Road. I'm okay. at Erawan supermarket. We can see it.
2: Do you know, how far is it from the location where you are?
3: A quarter mile. Okay. Uh,
2: half a mile. Is it a small plane?
3: Yeah. It was a helicopter.
2: Oh, a helicopter? Yeah. And you saw the helicopter going to the hills.
3: Yeah, and we're looking at the flames right now on the hill.
2: Okay, Malibu Canyon Road and Agora Road. You said.
3: Uh, that's where I'm at right
2: now. Uh, we you it's off of. I mean, you would off of
3: uh, Malibu Canyon, uh, Las Virgenes.
4: Las Virgenes. To,
3: to the left of Las Virginas if you're going towards the ocean. Yeah. Las so it's off Malibu uh, Canyon and Las Virgenes. Is that Las Virgenes or Malibu Canyon? Um. Okay. It's Las Virgenes. Las Virginis
2: and Malibu Canyon yeah. Road, you said?
3: No, Las Virginis and um, I would say Mulholland.
2: Okay, you keep changing it. So, Las yeah, is no. and Mulholland is where you
3: see? Yeah. Yes? Yeah? Las, Las Virginis, Cross Street would be Mulholland. Okay, and the city is?
5: Not that far out there.
3: What city are you in? Agoura Hills.
2: Because that's, that's the Malibu area. Yeah, it is the Malibu okay, area. OK, so Las is and Mulholland yeah. and Malibu is where you see the plane go down? Yeah, wh- where I'm standing is the Air One
3: Supermarket off of Agora Road, and that's where I can see it. But that's not it's that, obviously. I mean, I'm hearing sirens not just now, so. OK, we have help
2: on the way. Here's OK. All, all right. right. Bye bye. Thank you. One point.
0: And the last call that we're going to listen to is very much like the last one before it.
2: LA County Fire eighty five. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Mister. Go ahead.
6: I'm at four two three five Lost Virginies Road.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: I just heard a helicopter go over me, approximately from Lost Hills Road, on a south to easterly sweep. It went over my head thick in clouds and then I just I heard a pop and it immediately stopped.
2: Would you say okay so I, I, can't, in
6: Las...
2: I go ahead I'm sorry.
6: I can't I can't see it. It was heading on an easterly track probably right over the Lost the, uh, Los Water District. Let's
2: see, I'm trying to and me. the highest
6: peak to the east is I would believe on the west side of Calabasas Park or Stokes Canyon. And it's that part of the, the top of the mountain is obstructing cloud. Gotcha. Let me see
2: because it looks like is there a gun club over there?
6: Uh, the, the gun club was torn out many many many, many, many years, years okay. ago. that's that's what it
2: looks yeah, like. Yeah, when okay. it was, when they
6: put the car dealerships in, they took that the oh, the
2: shopisky okay. out. Yeah, because it
6: looks like there's a lot. I'm
2: just trying to get an idea. So you say where you're on you're for calling from Las Virginia, so You say like northeast. You're thinking.
6: In that general area? It came. It came right over me. Okay. So. And then did draw, you draw did you... draw a line? Draw a line from the Los Virginies Water District back in that canyon toward that toward the peak to the east. It would be on the west west rim of Calabasas Park, Stokes Canyon. Stokes Canyon.
2: Okay. gotcha. Yeah, it looks like. I'm not. I'm
6: not seeing any smoke.
2: Because it looks like we actually got it. Las Virgenes, Mulholland. Is it in that direction?
6: Uh, it went down quicker than that. Let me see. Okay, let me. I mean, if that's where the yeah. if that's I've got three police headed that way now. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. five. No, I appreciate you knowing the area well.
6: Okay, so let me. Perfect. Yeah, I think Mar- I used to live up on Mulholland. I've been a resident here since 1963.
2: Got you. no. Very helpful that you know the area. I so I know
6: I know the canyons. Yeah,
2: yeah I pre- thank you very much for the info, sir. We're on the way. Thanks for
6: knowing the area. Uh, yeah, I would call FAA and find out who's who's flying this flying yeah, in this mean. area. Yeah, a flight plan. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I would just think to myself, if if this guy doesn't have uh, night vision, I mean, he was complete. He's completely IFR.
2: Yeah, it's definitely.
6: It's fly easier, holes, yeah. He's flying. Yeah. No, and
1: he's got no visual.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad somebody heard it, and no, I appreciate it. So thank you so much. We're on the way. We'll be there in a minute. Okay,
1: thank you. You too. Bye. What I meant to say earlier was that the initial estimates were that the copter had fallen at a rate of 1,000 feet in one minute. The NTSB, however, after their calculations, said that the rate was 2,000 feet, or 200 stories in one minute. The pilot was trying to ascend above a thick cloud layer, or fog, when it hit part of a ravine and then plunged into that steep descent. Falling at that rate made it a high energy impact crash. Complicating the matter was that the pilot was navigating a canyon with multiple hills and peaks. The nine victims would have definitely known at that point that they were in serious
0: trouble. Getting back to our end of it, we didn't really get too much into the behind the scenes of what's going to be happening with this on any aircraft crash. doesn't matter if it's a small or large one, the smaller ones, they're not going to get quite as much equipment, but they're still going to get a lot of equipment, not nearly as much as if you had a commercial airliner or uh, just a, a commercial jet in the first place. Now, something like this, if it were to happen in Nashville, it would get roughly, uh, I would say initially four to five engines, fire engines. Um, and then from there, probably at least two fire trucks. And then a rescue or two. You get your assorted chiefs and then ambulances that go along with it. And probably for something like this, especially in the terrain that it was in, it could be anywhere from you might have a trench rescue type uh, equipment that would go out on it. Maybe not initially, but it, they might add themselves to the call. Uh, they probably have a little bit of hazmat that goes along with it. Just a, a number of pieces of equipment that would go. Us as dispatchers, we have to orchestrate everything that's going out there. There are predetermined responses for that that we have that the fire department has actually gone through and said, if this happens, you send these pieces of equipment to make it a little bit easier for us. But that still is something that we have to determine on the front end what kind of uh, call we're going to. This one, it went from a... A, a simple fire that's outside, probably like a brush fire up to a plane crash or helicopter crash, and then definitely a helicopter crash. So we would have to add all the equipment onto it. At this point, all kinds of things are happening. The news media is calling. They, they've heard the go on on the scanners. There's a, a plane down or a helicopter down. This is still removing anyone that was actually in it of, you know, no, any notoriety, you know, Kobe Bryant, none of these calls we knew that he was in that that uh, helicopter at the time we had no idea uh, they had no idea you know it wasn't until afterwards that they they figured it out and we can kind of link these calls together and you know show this this is what actually happened just like you know most of anything that we've we've covered on the show so far it, it's a tragic event it's not something that anybody wants to happen most people don't even want to talk about it you know, I mean this. This is one of those things where he he was such an important, you know, f- just public figure in the first place that people even at work were standing up, looking at the TVs, you know, kind of stopping what they're doing. Kobe Bryant just died in a plane or a helicopter crash. They couldn't believe it. You know, it's it's one of those that kind of took hold. I mean, it's um we when we have stories like a a big active shooter or something like that we pay attention to the news. We kind of look, to see what's going on. Cause we do have TVs up there to try to keep up with current information about things that are going on. That's one of them that happened and people were standing up next to the radios, you know, if they were not busy and, and trying to follow along with the story. So it, it's a very tragic call. Um, you know, we all hope it doesn't happen again, but we know that it will. So we're going to transition from there into uh, a little bit of business. I wanted to remind everybody that we are on Facebook. Uh, We're also on Twitter and now on Instagram. Uh, Come by, like our pages, and uh, on Facebook, join our discussion group. If you want to do a search of it, we've actually posted it in our um, main page, the discussion group. If you wanted to search for it, though, Music City 911 Podcast Discussion is what you need to search for. Uh, you can get in, in there, chat back and forth with us, other dispatchers, find out about uh, episode details, previews, anything like, like that that we're going to have coming up. That's all going to be there. It's a brand new group. So, um, you know, we're, I think right now we're at a couple hundred members, somewhere around there. It's just going to continue to grow. The call we're about to play now is every parent's nightmare.
1: There is nothing good about this at all. Brandon and I have kids, as I'm sure a lot of you guys do too. This is not easy for us, but it needs to be covered. Most all of us have already heard the story on the national news. This is the 911 call of 6-year-old Faith Swetlick's mother in Casey, South Carolina, reporting her missing.
7: Lexington County 911, what's the address of your emergency? Uh, uh
5: 16 Londonderry Square, I need to report a missing child
7: Alright, repeat that address for verification. Oh, uh, 16 Londonderry Square, Casey, South Carolina. Alright, And tell me exactly what's happening? Um, I can't. We can't find my daughter. She was playing outside.
5: I know I can't find her, and I... <laughs>
7: Uh, okay. How long I'm is she? The, she is six. She's gonna be okay. seven in June. All right. All right. I'm gonna stand on the line with you, but I'm gonna get Casey Casey TV on the line too. But I'm gonna stand on the line, so don't hang up, okay? Okay. Uh- Casey, number one is your most biomedical. Hey Casey, this is Lexington. I've got a lady at 16 London Dairy Square. Um, her 6-year-old was in the front yard and she can't find her now. All right, hold on. What's the number 16? 16 London Dairy Square. And I have her phone number. I'm going to stay on the line so it doesn't get disconnected. And I'm going to stay on the line just so it doesn't hang up. Okay, ma'am. All right, ma'am. You're on the okay. phone with Casey. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell me what your son's name is? Uh, My daughter's name is Faye Swatwick. F-A-Y-E. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. What was the first name again? Faye. Faye? F-A-Y-E? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What's your last name? Swatwick. Spell that for me. S W E T L I K. Okay. And what was she wearing?
5: Uh, she was wearing uh, polka dotted rain boots, uh, um, a flowered skirt, and a skirt or a flowered skirt? Uh, flowered. Uh, was um, a pink rose skirt. Okay. And, um, and a black kind of shirt. A black T-shirt that has um, a neon design on it
7: how long has she been gone? Um, last, last I saw her was probably about an hour ago. How tall is she?
5: she uh, she's 3 foot 10.
7: 3 foot? How much does she weigh?
5: Oh uh, 65 pounds.
7: All right, stay on the phone with me, do not hang up. What's your name? Uh, my name is What's your phone number that's It's a six-year-old missing for an hour. All right. You last saw her in the front yard. You didn't see which way she went or anything like that? No, she was just right in, right, like right in front of my front porch. Okay. Does she have a
5: No. All
7: right. Have you possibly, um, have you walked around and tried to locate her? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay in your yard, okay? Okay. We have a unit out that has a dog in case we need to try to track her, okay? So we we don't need you walking. If you can just if if you can just kind of stay close to the last place she was. Hold on just a second. Do you have any idea where she would go? Have you looked in the backyard?
5: yes ma'am
7: uh, i'm sorry yes ma'am
5: okay. um i checked um i checked all um all the
7: houses in my neighborhood and anybody that's actually answered that looking forward to does she have a dog or anything with
0: her no
7: okay my officer will be there in just a few minutes
0: most of us know the outcome of this call, and it's, it's not easy. Uh, the little girl was found murdered uh, just a little ways away from uh, her townhouse that they lived in. This happened on Monday,
1: February 10th in the afternoon. The little girl was out playing in the front yard. She, four days later on Thursday was found in the wooded area behind her home. We don't know a lot about the case except she's dead and there was a 30-year-old male that lived within 150 feet of her house that was also found dead in his house. And that was Cody Scott Taylor. The Casey Police Department has not said anything about the case. Beyond that, with the exception of critical evidence, was found in a neighborhood trash can that led them to where Little Faye was and then ultimately... To his house. He did not have a criminal history and was not known to the police. There will be a press conference on the 18th to release more findings, which will include uh, Faye's
0: and the killer's autopsies. After the initial call, from what information I've been uh, reading up on, they saturated the area pretty quickly with a lot of police officers. Upwards of 100, I believe, is what I've read over the the course of the the search for it, sometimes up uh, almost to 200 police officers. With a call like this, when we get the call, the the call takers on this, this, they they did what they needed to do. They got a great description of the, the girl, Height, weight, clothing, just about everything they could to try to help find this girl. Now, the initial call, like we heard, she said the the girl had been missing for an hour. And what I've heard from the call and as well as some of the news stories uh, is that she initially, once she figured that she was missing, she went around and started asking neighbors to help try to find her. So it's not like she just saw that the kid was missing and just didn't call for an hour. She was proactive in trying to find her daughter. Um, It's just one of those things where she tried to find the daughter, couldn't, and then, you know, tried to get the police involved after that. And at that point, a lot of police made it to the scene and assisted with the search. Now, in looking online, I've seen where there were some questions brought up regarding why an Amber Alert wasn't put out on this. The, the easy way to, to say it, and it's, I mean, not necessarily easy, but the, the best way to put it is it, it didn't meet the, the federal criteria for it. The criteria for an activation of the Amber Alert system is that law enforcement must confirm that an abduction has taken place. In this case, they didn't know. It, it was just a missing child at this point. So they didn't know that there was an abduction that had taken place. Also, in addition to that, the child must be at risk of serious injury or death. There must be su- sufficient descriptive information of the child, the captor, or the captor's vehicle to issue an alert. And the child must be a minor under the age of 18. So just like I said, there's they didn't know initially that there was an abduction that had taken place if they had, uh, they, they could have went about this a little bit differently. I'm not necessarily saying that that would help any. In this case, I don't think it would have. But just to kind of get anybody's minds off of it, that's why an Amber Alert wasn't actually issued for this one. Now, in this case, when we have uh, missing juveniles in you know Nashville, and it, it is um, also age-dependent because there's a difference between a missing and a runaway. This little girl here is really kind of too young to be considered a runaway. Even if she, even if she did, she'd just be a missing person. That's the way they listed. We would get out there, and once we get the information, we would set up a command on uh, this missing child, and we would employ every bit of resources we could to try to find this child just like the one of the dispatchers there said, you know, we've got a, a, a canine unit to come out and try to track her that way. I'm not sure how that worked out. I mean, I, I mean obviously it, it wasn't able to track her immediately right then, but there could be a number of reasons for that. A lot of foot traffic in the area, not a good starting point. There's, there's all kinds of different reasons. For us, we'd have uh, dogs looking for the child. We would have a number of police and um, if the weather was uh, good enough, we'd have the helicopter up too, looking around all over the place. So there's a lot to get into with it um, as far as what we do. And, and generally, we, we have the command running 24 hours a day um, until we actually find the child. Now, that can, that can change once other information comes up. It just really depends on the case. And this one, it sounds like they had a 24-hour command until... They found the the kind of crucial piece of evidence that they had mentioned in a couple news conferences. And from there, they were able to link everything together. When I would receive calls on missing
1: children, the caller's minds would immediately go to the worst possible outcome. I'd tell them at the beginning that the chance of something like that happening to their child was about one out of a thousand that we would get through this together. I would try my best to calm them down and get the information that I needed. Description, when and where they were last seen, etc. What I was really big on before I hung up was telling them to check the entire house inside and out, in the closets, under the bed, In the crawl space of the basement, you get the idea. They are kids, and they play everywhere. The same thing happened to me one morning, decades ago, when my then-wife woke me up about 6 a.m. to tell me our five-year-old son, Sean, was not in his bed. And yes, I worked for the department then. When I walked in that bedroom and saw his empty bed, the feeling was numbing. Where did he go? How long had he been gone? Why would he go? Or was he taken? My wife felt the same. Not a feeling like that in the world. Sheer horror and helplessness. Before calling the police, though, I gathered my thoughts and followed my own advice that I had given others. Checking the entire house. After a few minutes, I found him. He had rolled out of his bed into the floor, then rolled under the bed and went back to sleep. The relief, folks, was unbelievable. And luckily, during my time with the department, I never lost a child to a horrible event. It's rare that something like this ever happens, but that's not much consolation
0: when it happens to you. Now there's a very incorrect notion that floats around with people that you have to wait 24 hours to report somebody missing. That's just simply not the case, especially with a child. It's different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but for Nashville and I would imagine almost anywhere else, if you have a young child like this, six years old, if they're missing, they want you to call as soon as possible. That way we can saturate the area with as many officers as possible to try to find the child before something bad does happen. But there's no time ever that you would have to wait 24 hours to call. That's just something made up in the movies and it's just not the case. In,
1: in my case, I had some people that would call in on a missing teenager, which I know is a lot different from calling in uh, on a child, but they would wait days after they went missing, I'd chew them out and ask them why they waited that long to call. And the usual response was an excuse like, well, they do it all the time. While I understand that frustration and the fact that teens are better at taking care of themselves than what Faye would have been able to, bad things can happen to them too. And waiting only makes things worse when we're trying to gather evidence in the event that something does go bad with a teenager. Plus, the parent or guardian can be charged with neglect for
0: not being diligent in making the report. So just to recap, there will be more details released on the 18th in a press conference by that local sheriff's department and we'll hopefully find out a little bit more about what actually happened in those days hours however you want to put it um, that led up to all this and and what transpired afterwards what you're about to hear now
1: is a 911 call from a 35 year old homeowner who lives alone in white center washington it's a town about seven miles south of seattle with a population Of around thirteen thousand people. At two thirty in the morning, on April the twenty-second of last year, he awoke in his upstairs bedroom to the sound of breaking glass downstairs. He armed himself. Roll tape.
8: Nine one one. What are you reporting?
1: Yeah, my house is getting robbed right now.
8: What address are you at?
3: 13th Avenue, Southwest.
8: Do you see someone inside? Yeah, he's he's inside right now. Okay, where are you? In my bedroom. Okay. Are you armed? Yeah, I have a gun. Okay. That's a house, correct? It is. Okay, is that crashing out here behind you? Is that them? What's that? Okay, is that crashing out here behind you? Is that them?
5: Yeah, they broke the window up.
8: Okay, and you're upstairs? Please, sir. You don't have any further description of them right now, correct? No, I don't. Okay. I'm what's your What color is your house? It's green. How many stories? Two. Okay. How many vehicles should be in front? I don't know. I have mine. Okay. okay. What's, your, what's your vehicle? It's a red truck. But there shouldn't be any other vehicles there, right?
5: Um, uh, Hyundai. Silver Hyundai.
8: Okay. Bear with me, I've got officers, okay? Got officers heading your way, okay? Do you live with anybody else? No, I'm by myself. Okay. Are you able? Do they know you're there? No. Okay. Okay. Stay quiet. Okay. Keep yourself safe. You're doing great. Stay with me. They just broke out all the windows? Okay. We've got officers on the way, okay. Can you hear how many people are there? Can you still hear them? Okay, is your door locked? Can you hear me? Can
5: you hear me? Hello,
8: can you hear me? Hello? Uh, Hello, if you can hear me, I need you to talk to me. I need you to know what's going on. Hello? Hey, what's going on? Where are you? Okay, we we got officers coming. What's going on? What happened? I lost the phone. Hold, hold on. Okay, Hello? I heard shots. What happened?
3: I, I had to shoot him. He came after me. I'm hiding in my closet my bedroom.
8: Okay, where are you right now? I'm sorry, I don't know. No, no you're okay. I'm in okay. my bedroom upstairs. Okay, so if I'm coming up the stairs, there's, where there's is it? There's more people. There's still more people. Okay.
3: Yeah.
8: How many more? Please hurry. Please hurry. Yep. Nope. We've got officers there, coming. There's
3: another, there's another guy downstairs. I think he just left.
8: Okay. Did you get a description of?
3: I didn't. I didn't.
8: Okay. Stay safe. Okay. Walk me I'm through fine. your bedroom. I'm hiding in my closet. Okay. You're doing okay. You're doing a deep upstairs, breath. okay? down the hall. Okay. Up yeah. the stairs down the hall. What side?
3: Um,
4: uh, the back room.
3: Okay, the
8: inj- okay, you're okay, you're okay. Did the person that you shot, did he leave, okay? Or is he still on the ground there?
3: No, he's down, he's here on the ground. He's hurt. Okay,
8: okay. Bear with me. Um,
3: yeah.
8: Where did you shoot him?
3: I I don't know.
5: It That's was,
8: okay. That's okay. You're doing a great job.
3: I just Did you tried hit the to, other one? I just tried to shoot. I just nope, tried to I shoot understand. for the guy that was it. I
8: I understand. I understand. You're doing great. Did you hit the other one? Do you know? I no, the other guy was um downstairs. I think I think he ran. Okay. You're doing a great job. Okay. Can you hear anyone else inside the house anymore? No, there's no one here.
0: Okay. I don't know.
8: Okay. Is the person you shot breathing? Up. Can you tell? No, I know. We're getting he's, there as fast as we can. Yeah, he's still he's still breathing. Hurry up. And okay. <laughs> Are you in the same room as him? Yeah,
3: I'm still I'm still okay. hiding in the closet.
8: Okay, you're doing I a great I had to go back away. in.
3: He, he came and tried.
8: Did the suspect have any weapons?
5: I, I don't know if he did or not.
8: Okay, you're doing a great job. Bear with me. We're getting there as fast as we can, okay? Okay. Are you okay? Are you injured at all?
3: I'm, I'm,
5: I'm okay. I'm okay.
8: Okay. Okay, you do a great job. I'm going to stay with you, okay? Because I'm going to have you put that gun down when officers okay. get there, Okay.
3: Yep, the gun will be down.
8: No, no, I understand them. Okay. You're doing a great job. Do you have any idea who these people are? I have no idea, I've never seen them. There's another person. You said you think you're someone else? Yeah. Where do you hear him? Upstairs, I think. Okay,
5: stay quiet. I can't tell if this na- is neighbors outside or what. Okay. This guy's still alive, but he's going to need help. Okay.
8: Is he still breathing? Yeah,
5: looks like
8: it. Okay. Okay. Can you still hear someone inside? I think it's just people outside. I don't know. Okay.
3: Do you want me to open the front door or anything?
8: Nope, nope. Stay where you are. So we have officers coming around the back. Okay. So if you hear any noises, don't worry, all right? Okay. You know, great job, okay, deep breath, all right, officers are there right now. Okay, and what we're going to do, okay, is I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to have you probably leave your gun there, okay, and put it safe. Okay. Okay, so have, okay. okay, what I'm going to have you do, come out the door on the west, okay? Okay?
5: Okay, I'm going to try close.
8: Okay, what I need you to do, though, That's first enough. is I need you to secure your gun, okay? Where are you going to put it? In the closet. Okay. It's away I'm from the it. suspect, though, right?
5: Yeah, all the can you unlo- okay.
8: Yep, can you unload it for me as well? Yeah. Okay. Draw- okay, drop the magazine. Pull the slide back, okay? Bring the bullets with you. I gotta, I gotta, okay. I got it. Okay. I got it Yep, in your pocket. Okay, and then we're going to walk down together to the west door, okay? Can I come out? Please? Okay. Yep, yep. Nope. Yes, you can. Okay. Walk out the west door. Okay. Stay with me, though, okay? Sure don't the don't leave the phone. You're walking out the front door?
5: Yeah. Front okay.
8: Door. Okay. We're going to have... Okay. I'm going to have officers talk to you, okay? There's no one out here. Okay, so can you see him? My phone in my hand, okay? Phone in my hand. Phone on speaker. <laughs>
1: Pretty intense call here. A couple of points to go over. Two minutes into the call, deputies were already on the way. About four minutes into the call, the homeowner shot the intruder in self-defense. The homeowner, in my opinion, made the right decision in not attempting resuscitation in that he thought that there were other suspects inside the residence. It was about 10 minutes from the initial call when police arrived. And believe me, in a situation like this, that will seem like a lifetime. The 29-year-old thug died at the scene, and police said that no other suspects were found. So let me ask you, what about the resuscitation issue if he
0: knew that there were no other suspects in the house. If there were no other suspects in the house, the, the problem that you may actually have, and it, you know, obviously, depending on what kind of person you are, you may still want to help this person that has broken in your house and tried to attack you even after you shot him. But being that he didn't know if there was any more suspects in the house, he did the right thing. Now, at the same time though, you have to take into account that this is somebody who's broken into, into your house you have no idea if this person is armed, if he is, you know, if he still has the mental or physical capacity at this point to actually pull out a weapon and fire back, there's, there's a lot of issues you have to take into account with it. Now for this particular case with him actually having the guy, you know, shot on the ground, you can hear him moaning in the background. I imagine he's bleeding out, things like that. It's more than, just resuscitation at that point they, he'd have to put in i would imagine i don't know how many times he actually shot him but it sounded like he shot him quite a few times if he put all the shots on target oh yeah um so he, he'd have to render aid more than just basic cpr which at the point that we're hearing in the call with him moaning i don't believe he needed the, at that point if he's still moaning that means he's still breathing his heart's still beating uh he's still alive He would have to plug a bunch of holes, though, put a lot of pressure on to to get him to stop bleeding, though. And that leads it again to the the fact that he may have a gun, a knife, any other type of weapons, or just may continue to attack the the person, you know, the the homeowner there. There's, There's no telling.
1: There's just so many emotions going on at the time. You're pissed off. He's broken in your house. He's broke all your windows out. He's torn up your stuff, and now he's come up there and tried to get you. But then the other side of that is, am I going to be able to live with myself if I just let him lay there and die when I know that I may be able to at least do something where I can live with myself later? Uh, I I don't know. I can actually tell you I don't know because until I'm in a situation like that where you're having to go through all those things, I, I don't think I'd know.
0: Yeah. I, I, you can't really say until you go through something like that. And I mean, I've not done it. Um, I don't know. I guess you don't. You've never had to go through something like that before. No. So no, we don't know what would happen. Uh, I will say this.
1: Imagine if this caller was you. What would you be feeling? Considering this went on for 10 minutes, a lifetime. Imagine a little further that your children or some other loved one was in that house that would require saving by you. Now, while your tactical response is beyond the scope of what we can get into here, it illustrates just how much more serious that this could have been. And for those of you that can legally own and or carry guns, Your training needs
0: to be ongoing, not just in the basic use of a firearm. Yeah, and you're right about that. And and In an instance like this, I've been on calls with people who've been actively having their house broken into. It happened more on midnight shift, even though the majority of break-ins actually happened during the day. The reason that most of them happen during the day is because people are out at work. There's going to be little to no resistance from the homeowner. So... When it does happen at night, and, and granted, at the same time, what I was saying about the, you know, it happening during the day, it's—I've been on the phone with people having having it happen during the day. They work from home, they've got a day off. There's a number of reasons why somebody would be home during the day. The same thing, though, at night, it changes a little bit. You're you're asleep. It's three o'clock in the morning. You know, it's middle of the night, pitch black inside your house you hear a crash just like this person did. And you get up to call 911 and they are making their way through the house, doing whatever they can, they're breaking in. And with me, I'm trying to relate to the the actual caller, get someplace safe. You know, if you can lock a door, I, I don't want someone to immediately necessarily use deadly force, but I also do tell them, you do what you have to do to protect your home, your family, and yourself. If that comes to that person having to shoot someone, then that's how it has to be. And, you know, it's different from state to state here in Tennessee. If someone actually makes entry into your house, it doesn't matter if they have a weapon, if they're trying to attack you, you at that point have the right to shoot them. I can't say that I would do that necessarily myself, but I know people have, they've not been charged for it. It's, But that gets into a whole different realm of things. On the the call taken in, if we're on the phone with somebody like that, I'll tell them they do what they think is necessary to protect themselves and kind of leave it at that. Well, in Tennessee, we also have, as
1: well as other states do, the castle doctrine. Your home is your castle, and you are under absolutely no obligation whatsoever to retreat. You can stand your ground. If you're on your property out in the front yard and somebody is headed towards you, I'm going to kill you when I get to you. You can stand your ground, and when they get close enough to attempt to do just that, then you do what you have to do to
0: neutralize the threat. Yeah. And just like I said, and we both said before, it's it's not something we've necessarily had to go through. Um, uh, in a different episode, we can talk a little bit more about it. I have had to pull my gun on somebody one time, uh, called the police afterwards. It was justified. I Same did not- here. I did not fire a shot. Um, but it's, it, it's something that happened. Um, but you know, in that instance, I managed to chase off the person that had the gun and that was the end of it. So nobody, everybody walked away that day and you know, that was not inside my house. That was outside somewhere. And like I said, we'll get into that a uh, different time, but to try to close this out, we've kind of pulled these, uh, listeners tonight through the ringer on all these calls. It, it was, uh, a roller coaster of emotions from start to finish. I, I know it will be for you guys out there listening. It has been for us and we do this or have done this almost every day. I tell you what, let's do. Let's just
1: take a deep breath and regroup for our next edition. From Music City 911, I'm Rick Beasley and I'm Brandon Hall. Take care guys. We'll see y'all.